Welcome to the Point Noted Podcast with your host, Johnny B, and co-host who shows up whenever he wants to, former NFL player, Rashad Barksdale. It's raw, unfiltered, and no topic is off-limit. We talk sports, entertainment, culture, and a whole lot of random shit. Let's get to the point. Point Noted Podcast, you're hanging out with your host, Johnny B. And I got a special guest in the house tonight, man. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, we got Barrington uh, Martin the second straight from Atlanta, Georgia, man. Barrington, what's going on, my man? Yes, sir, man. Um, everything's wonderful. How are you? How are you this evening? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just had uh, you know, just had some French fries, so I'm in a <laughs> I'm in a comatose type of mood. <laughs> <laughs> That's my. That's how I relax. You know, some you know, somebody like to do something else. You know, I'm a little drinking and smoking. I just say, you know, give me some fries. Uh, you know, that's it, man. I can't do it on my carbs, man. It's just been terrible. This COVID has got me looking fat. Oh man. That's, I really want to know. Um, we're very interested to see like how many pounds the average American has um, gained since we've been on, on lockdown, because I've heard people gaining like 20 pounds, you know, since this has started. And that's a, that's a short amount of time when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it takes a special individual to to stay fit. I got a buddy of mine play soccer with him, so, uh, and, and it goes through about 28 miles every week that he's running. And I'm like, dude, I haven't run two miles since COVID started. How are you running 28 miles a week? You know what I'm saying? Like, so, I mean, these kids just won't stop running. So, for me, I'm just like, man, I wish I have your passion to run. Like, I'm in here just eating and getting fat. I'm eating bread every day. Oh, yeah, you deep in the carbs. Man, I'm weak for the cause, bro. I am so weak. Licking, I mean, you can offer me anything. Just give me some bread or some fries, and I'm yours. I get it. I, I totally get. It. I love French fries too, but I'm I'm a I'm kind of a health freak a little bit. So I've been one of those people staying in shape um, throughout Corona. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always I've always been like that too, but bro, I think I just give up, man. <laughs> I get it because it's so it's so easy to be comfortable, and then you don't have to go anywhere. So like when you get bored. Sometimes you just eat for no reason. Yep, that's it. I just be going through the cabinet. What's next? What's next? <laughs> you know. But the thing is, I'm not afraid of getting fat because that's not me. So I know that once we get out there, you know, I'm usually getting about ten miles with the cardio every week. So for me, I feel like it's my time to eat and get fat. Right. Uh, so when we get out there, you know, I mean, I'm you know hooping a couple of times a week, and I got soccer a couple of times a week, and I'm working out four or five days a week. So I'll get it back. I just yeah. gonna be a little work, you yeah, know. You get it back. You get it back. No big deal. Yeah, it's gonna be a little work, man. How are you guys doing out in Atlanta with the COVID, man? You guys getting back, you know, uh, everything going back into normal, trying to a little bit. Um, so you know, the the city or the, the our governor has opened up um the state a little bit, um, like a phase one, and um, Mayor Lance Bottom said she was gonna um, we're gonna start phase two, but um, our gyms aren't open yet, but you know they call it the essential businesses are open, so to speak. Right. Essentials, um, right. Yeah, but man, um, last weekend, man, people were partying crazy. Like, I've seen videos of day party, like, packed wall to wall, you know, like, bottles, bottle girls, hookah. And, you know, um, my city is a super hospitality city, you know, so we're going to always have um, restaurants open. We're also going to have bars, clubs, even the strip right. clubs are open this past weekend. Like, I saw a video of someone taking 
um, you know, video in the strip club. And I was just like, wow, like, like people just automatically say, you know, Corona's over. We're, we're, we're back out here in these streets. Right. Right. And that's crazy, though. Like, I, I feel like, you know, uh, what was really going on is I think folks are just confused. Right. Everybody's right. confused. That's in. So you don't have a solution to, to COVID-19. We don't have a, uh, vaccines. We don't have nothing. So when you're telling me we have to stay in the house, why are you trying to figure out how to cope with this thing, which you might not have a real answer for us uh, for another six six months or eight months. So why are we staying in the house? Let's just go out there and just figure it out for ourselves. And I really feel like that's what's going on. Absolutely. And then on top of that, I'm more so um, highly critical of our governments, both state and as well as federal, because the messaging hasn't been consistent, you know? Right. Um, like, for example, in a, a span of 10 days, uh, Dr. Fauci said that, you know, it would be um, irreparable damage if we opened up, you know, too soon. But then 10 days later, um, he said that in front of the Senate, the Senate hearings. And then 10 days later on an interview, um, he said that, you know, we can't, you know, close down for too long. Like it would be damaging if people stay inside for too long. So it's like, what's, What's good? Like, what's really going on? You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, I think uh, definitely Fauci has uh, different folks pulling strings behind the back. Absolutely. Uh, if it's up to him, I think he would come out there and just say, "Look, man, y'all need to stay the fucking side uh, <laughs> <laughs> and chill out." But you know, you do that, he might get fired. So you know, Fauci is just like, whatever. You know, I'll, I'll talk when I can, and then. Because, I mean, I mean, you can look at him and you can tell he's just trying. He's trying to get it out, but he's really kind of handicapped a little bit. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. And then uh, before we get to dip into it, man, uh, go ahead and tell the folks um, who you are, what you're running for, and why you're running. Okay. Um, again, listeners, my name is Barrington Martin II. I am uh, born and raised from Atlanta, Georgia. And being that, I am running for the fifth congressional seat of Georgia. And the district mainly uh, houses all of metropolitan Atlanta with a couple um, of counties here and there. Um, I see I got my undergrad at Georgia State University, political science and bachelor's. I'm actually taking a break from my master's program in African American mm. studies to run for Congress. So I think that's a cool thing too. Um, the main reason I'm running is because, um, you know, it's time. It's time for my generation uh, to take over the reins of the country. You know, um, Congressman Lewis has done a great service. Um, by Congressman Lewis to you all, I mean, John Lewis, I keep forgetting that I got right. to speak like you guys know what I'm talking about. But um, the incumbent is Congressman John Lewis, as you know, is a civil rights icon, civil rights legend. He put his life on the line so, you know, men and women like me or just so I could have this opportunity to even be here right now being able to run for Congress, which for that reason, I will always hold Congressman Lewis um, with extreme reverence and adoration. However, right. in right. his 33 years um, of being a congressman, you know, not many changes have occurred. He started his first day in Congress on January 3rd, 1987. I was born mm -hmm. April 3rd, uh, 1988. So he's been in office since I've been born. However, there hasn't been any distinct changes that have occurred within the city. If you check his congressional record, you can see that, you know, outside of things here and there dealing with, you know, civil rights or memorials, there hasn't been um, a substantial legislative victory that's come to our city. So I just feel that, you know, 
he's done his work, he's done his due diligence, and he's done everything he could. However, you know, we it's time for a step in a new direction, and I'm right. here, you know, to lead that cause, not just uh, for myself and for my city, but for um, the rest of my generation and for the entire um, nation of America. Right. And uh, and you know what? Um, there's a lot of young folks running all across the country. I love it. I love the movement. Uh, I love seeing, you know, all the young people wants to get involved in politics. I think I think as young folks, we've talked and talked enough about what we wanted. Uh, and I think that change really started when Barack Obama got elected, when young folks got involved uh, and then Trump took over. And I think we felt like, you know what, this is not you know, this is not the way we thought things was going to keep going. So we got to get back involved. Right. right and vote, we got to take office, right? I feel like that's the wave that's going on right now. Absolutely. And I mean, it's just like, you know, how long, like just for example, within my city, like Congressman Lewis has been in office for 33 years, you know, you know, like, right. that's a long time. Right. And at some point in time, not not to mention, you know, his his tenure, but he's 80 years old. He also has stage four pancreatic cancer. So mm. people, it's kind of irresponsible to allow a man of his stature, um, a man of his magnitude, to continue to be in this position at his tender old age with his diagnosis. He should be somewhere, you know, enjoying the rest of his years, enjoying the rest of his life. He shouldn't have to deal with, you know, the effects of the coronavirus and the after effects that's going to take place with the coronavirus pandemic, because as we all know, life for all of us is going to be different um, when we emerge you know, from quarantine, so to speak. And so yeah. um, the basic, the, I'm just trying to deliver the message to everyone, especially in, in the district, but nationwide as well. It's time for us to take the reins of this ship and the ship being the country, because um, as the generation that will end up inheriting the nation from our past uh, ancestors and generation, we deserve to inherit the nation the way we choose to. And we have to, we have so many problems along the horizon that's going to take modern day solutions. And it's time to just, you know, tell all our past leaders to step aside and, you know, allow the new generation to lead as I am confident as we can. Right. So when did you launch your campaign? Oh man. Um, officially it was probably the end of last year. It was, um, I decided to run probably in the summertime and then, um, it was official probably the top of this year because, you know, you have to qualify and, you know, pay the money in order to get on the ballot. But I've always right. known I was going to run for Congress about August of last year, July, August of last year. That's when I made it up in my mind. Um, so what did you have you run for uh, small local offices? Have you run? Not, is this your first election? This is my first election, first time. Like I like um, I'm a version in the game uh, <laughs> this time. So around. You, just, you, you just keep in lines, huh? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, um, you know, I'm, I, I see myself as a smart guy and I feel like I have foresight to um, understand problems and understand situations. I'm a critical thinker. Right. The reason I right. say this is because oftentimes, especially within the black community, we are reactive, meaning that something to occur, something has to occur first in order for us to make a change with it. But I want to totally um, remove that from our psyche as a community and just as a nation in general, because I feel like America has always re reacted instead of being proactive in preventing situations from occurring so that people won't suffer. And I feel that a lot of the, the ideologies I have, a lot of the ideas I have, and just my overall mentality, I'm bringing something new that the country hasn't, even the world, I feel like, hasn't really seen before. And 
the the beauty of my campaign is that I've been on my team. I've been able to combine like so many different people from so many different areas. For example, I have people who are Bernie Sanders supporters on my team. I have people who are Andrew Yang supporters on my team. I have people who are Joe Biden supporters on my team. I even have people who are Trump supporters on my team. But yet mm. still, everybody is able to agree under, you know, specific principles and ideologies that um, we all feel that would deliver a better future um, to America and to society in general. Do you feel like, do you feel like folks uh, taking you serious? People are being that, being that it's your first time running and also being that you're running against a legend. And, you know, as, as people sometimes, uh, we, we really don't want to see legend fall. Absolutely. So, right. So they probably want to have him retire. Uh, and also being that you don't have any background in politics. Do you, do you feel that? At first I did, but then I, I raised like good points to people. Like I always put like, you know, starting now, like the very first um, couple of months, oh, it's always, you know, who do you think you are? Why do you feel like you can run against a legend of John Lewis? But then I replace, um, you know, I put the honest back on themselves, on them. And I ask you, okay, so when you vote for John Lewis, what are you voting for? Give me one uh, legislative victory that has occurred that's, that he has, you know, um, been a part of that has been a major win for the city. And all the while, they cannot give me anything. And so that's right. how I that's how I totally um, take away their offense and take away the fact of me having been defensive because I feel I realize I don't have to be defensive about it because once you look at the stats, look at the history, look at the numbers, and you start re- realizing that oh man, like based on everything that's been going on, I get that he doesn't have experience, but if he does even one, if he has one major victory, he's already done a lot. He's already done a lot for us and so much for us. And again, this isn't um, any disrespect or negative talk to Congressman Lewis because, like I said, total love, respect, and adoration for him at all times. However, I'm not here to run against him. I'm here to run for the people of my district, for the city that I was born and bred from, from the, for the city I love, for all my family that still stays within the district and neighborhoods that have been forgotten about who don't really get the resources like high income communities. Like I got skin in the game and this right. is why all this is so important to me. And when people listen to me and hear me talk, they become instant believers. Right. Do you feel like people are behind you being that you are from the city? I mean, you can easily go to, uh, you can easily go to uh, your former high school and put a poster up and obviously no one's on campus right now, but. Uh, you can go to your, you know, Georgia State and have that in a Georgia State newsletter or whatever it is that for the Cinder Cats. Do you feel like locally, being that you are from there and you have skins in the game, at least in the city, do you feel like you're getting that local support or do you feel like people are still looking at you like, nah, John, you know, John's a legend, a civil rights legend. He walked with this and he walked with that. Do you get that or you feel like you're starting to get more crowd on your side? I get, I got a little bit of both, you know, I get a little bit of both because, you know, and that's why I'm just trying to change the whole dichotomy of um, how we as blacks, you know, view our heroes and how we look at progress. You know, it's like, um, and this is, um, you know, no offense to our people, but it's so, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the celebrity and the things that people have done in the past. Mm. Eventually, I feel like we have to possess, um, you know, uh, Janet Jackson type mindset and what have you done for me lately? Because although you, you know, you marched with MLK, you put your life on the line. And again, America owes John Lewis a debt that they are, that the country is unable to, you know, repay. But at the same time, withholding an esteemed position 
like a congress being a congressman is excuse me when um you know when you haven't put forth the victories the people needed or you haven't like better the lives collectively of the people within the district the people start has to begin to ask the questions or begin you know just to just to be honest about the situation and say hey we respect who you are we respect what you've done for us but you know, we've been looking at the congressional record and it doesn't look too good. It's time to give the reins up to somebody else, especially someone younger. Like, for example, when you look at the stats, the age statistics of Congress, the median age is like the middle, like mid 60s, early 70s. Right. But if you look mm-hmm. at the age of America, it's like mid 30s. That's a clear um, indication that there is something going on there. Like there, there, there needs to be a changing of the guard. Why do, why do we have people like of, of the elderly age uh, representing and speaking on the behalf of, you know, people in their mid thirties? That's not right. 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 And I, and, and I have a problem with that as well. Uh, I've had candidates up here and I always bring that up, the term limit. And I know that's one of the things that you have on your platform, the term limit. Absolutely. I, I, I always feel like, you know, you shouldn't, I mean, I feel like back in the days, and OC always said this, like the whole goal of politics going to Washington was to kickstart something and then get out of there. It was not a retirement home. It was not for you to go there and then just lay your bed and sleep there until whenever like you're like 80 or whatever to get out of there. Go there eight years, six years, get out of there. That's how you run a proper government, right? So speak on that term limit that you have on your platform. Absolutely. Um, term limits is a big deal to me because I feel that um, if I do what I'm supposed to do, I honestly say that it will not take me more than five terms to get where I need to get done to move on to the next. Um, okay. You know, there's no such thing as a lifetime appointment in Congress. There's no such thing as a lifetime appointment, even with the presidency. Um, I even have a problem with the Supreme Court justices having lifetime appointments because you got people, people tend to not um, understand how detrimental someone being in our or making decisions for the people too long is, you know, because let's be, let's be real. We have people in Congress and in the Senate right now who were um, damn near teenagers during times when, you know, black people were getting lynched during Jim Crow. And, you know, a lot of those ideologies, even, even though the time has changed, a lot of those ideologies remain in a lot of those people. Now I'm not saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying that, you know, like, you know, um, uh, like a specific congressman or a senator is racist, but it's very well possible that they can be because they were, you know, they were conscious of right and wrong. They were conscious of the times that they were living in back then. And now in the future or now you have these same people, you know, who are our lawmakers who are making decisions for us. And then we still wonder why a lot of progress hasn't been made um, in society. And we have to look at all of those things. So term limits is uh, one of my biggest uh, proponents of my platform because it just keeps democracy fresh. And that's important. Right. You know? Right. And honestly, I feel like that about everything in life, uh, besides your kids and your family members. I feel like anything you have to go into that involves other people, that involves contracts. That inv- I mean, look at it. We do the same thing for our house, our car. Education is not forever. You go in there, you get it for four or five years, whatever, how long it takes you, you're out. Um, you know, if you're a president, you got four years, then you got to run again. Then after that, you're done. So I totally agree with you on that. I'm absolutely a big uh, advocate in that. Like, I don't understand how you can go to Congress at 35 or 45 and be there till you're like 85. Right. Nothing changes. If, I mean, Mitch McConnell is there. Uh, Lindsey Graham is there. And they're terrible. They, they really are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
and and I know Charles Booker's out there in Kentucky running against them and all that kind of stuff. And I really just hope they can make a, a really beautiful transition into getting rid of some of these old folks and just get some new bloods in there. Absolutely. Um, and you know, and you mentioned racism, um, and you know, it's been a sad couple of days in America for at least for the black community. Right. Uh, and I know some some white folks, some white citizens actually, you know, they they do mourn with us. You know, I mean, they they feel our pain just from the human side of things. And there are those, that, and I've seen this comment a lot. Like, well, he must have been doing something for uh, for the police officers to be stepping on um, on George's neck, you know, and things like that. So. You know, I'll let you speak on that a little bit because I know you guys have something like that with Ahmad Aubrey right. out there in the Georgia as well. Go ahead. Right. So, um, yeah, it's been a rough, a rough couple of weeks, man, and I, I hate it in the in the sense that every time a black man gets killed unlawfully, someone has video of it, which is a problem with it itself. But I'll get back, I'll circle around back to that. But it's just that you know, the media makes money off of black trauma and this is why we like it's it's, it's we becoming so desensitized to see black men dying on film and that's ridiculous and that goes to show um how much of the status quo within america is embedded within racism i've always i've been preaching this like since i was probably my, probably my sophomore year of college and just understanding critical race theory understanding um ideologies of racism and that is American jurisprudence in society itself is entrenched within racism. And we see this with our um, statistics dealing with incarceration. We see this with our statistics uh, regarding uh, poverty and the wealth gap that's current within America. And so um, in order for us to actually change the scope of society, we have to like, really, really change how we interact with one another as far as having empathy and compassion. One of the main reasons I think that racism exists is because we lack, um, not just, I mean we, I mean us collectively, we lack empathy and compassion um, as a nation. Oftentimes people see these injustices take place and because it's not them directly, they feel like, hey, it, is, it has nothing to do with me. I'm fine. You know, no one's doing that. And what goes on is that, you know, these things spiral on the outside and, excuse me, spiral um, out of control. And this is why we continuously have these problems that we have. I feel that um, in order for us to get past it, in order for us to create the future that our founding fathers um, believed that we should have, we have to be honest and we have to call out things. And first and foremost, we have to call out that the very fabrics of our society, the very fabrics of America is based in racism. Once we mm. understand that, then we can move forward until that conversation, conversation. Is had, right? you know, until that conversation is had on a, on a, like a world stage or the mainstream, then we're going right. to always deal with these problems. I'm tired of marching. I'm tired of putting, you know, these men and women in hashtags because we do this every year and it continues to happen. This goes to show that these archaic, you know, mindsets, civil rights era ideologies that we we continuously try to bring to the present and even to the future, it's not going to work. Black lives are still going to are still going to be lost un, unlawfully and unjustly. You know, we have to hold each other accountable. And by that, I mean, we have to call out injustices. We have to hold our government officials accountable. And then maybe, just maybe, we're able, we'll be able to move forward like we should. But until that happens, every year we're going to continue placing someone's name in the hashtag. We're going to continue doing all of these things for moral victories that does not amount to 
what we need or the necessary solutions that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm with you on some of the points that you made. Um, but I think, uh, you know, they always say like desperate time calls for uh, uh, desperate measures. Um, I, I think one of the things that we have to improve on uh, is we have to be willing to sacrifice, uh, you know, because, I mean, you, you're very good with your history. Um, uh, you're an intelligent guy. Thank uh, you. And, and, and you know the history very well that in order for us to even make any any in any progress forward, Martin Luther King, Rosa Park, they had to sacrifice. They have to be willing to go through something, to go through the fire in order to make a point. And what I mean by that is I feel like as black community, we don't do enough to say, you know what, like, look, if somebody get killed, absolutely we have to have a hashtag because, you know, we need to bring attention out there. People need to know this just happened. This is why it happened. We have it on tape. But my thing is, like, this whole protest going on, this is beautiful. It's nice. But yeah. it, can't stop. it can't stop tomorrow. It can't stop next week. You know, it's like when they talk about Amazon employees complaining about not getting money. Well, if all of y'all just work out together and just decided we're not going back to work for a week, guess what? Jeff Bezos is not going to be happy with that pocket getting light. It'll fix it. So we have to be willing to lose something and sacrifice. And I think black folks have to be willing to get out there and just say, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to be out here for a month. We're going to be out here for uh, six months, for a year, whatever it takes until we get this fixed. You know, walking and marching for a week, in my opinion, this is ah, nothing. We see it every time. Like you said, we do it every single time it happens. Nothing right. gets done. So we got to do more. That's the way I see it. Uh, I feel like we have to do more. We, I agree. We just have to. And I saw a video of them looting today, and it just drives me nuts. Like, why are you breaking into Target and stealing things? Like, It doesn't get the job done. That doesn't get no. the job done. Oh, I mean, we out here trying to get attention to something bad that happened and y'all taking advantage of it and start looting stores and breaking in and stealing things. Like, how do we go from fighting for justice to stealing? Right. You know, like, what the hell is going on with that? And, and you know, I don't understand it. Um, For whatever reason, once a, once a white man or a police officer uh, look at a black man automatically... They don't see life. And, and that's a problem. And I know you mentioned we have to have a conversation about it. Uh, but I just don't see that conversation happening. Do you? I, I don't. I don't yeah. see the conversation happening because there's denial out there. People are denying there's a problem. Yeah, I agree with that. People people love, like, like I said, if it doesn't affect them personally, then, you know, they tend to turn a blind eye to it. But um, I just feel like we haven't had that discussion on a grand stage. Like, you know, like um, when President Obama got elected, people wanted to say, that, oh, yeah, we live in a post-racial society. But a lot of people um, couldn't wait till he got up out of the office just so, you know, you know, they can allow things to open quotes, turn back to normal, close quotes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I really, really feel that you know these conversations these conversations aren't happening the way that they need to be happening because if they did then it would ch- it would possibly um change the way we look at things but i'm in total agreement with what you're saying we as a people have to do our due diligence what we end up doing all the time is that you know um we don't put enough emphasis on doing the work that we need to do with each other and by that i mean is um we have a we have power in voting. We have power 
in assembling. We have power in numbers and we are too, we, we're sometimes too divisive. We got to get, we got to, you know, become clicked up based on like certain identities that we possess. And by that, I mean, you know, you have uh, your LGBTQ, you know, you have like so many different factions of black people, but instead at the end of the day, life has taught us, it doesn't matter what you identify as, as long as you're black, you're still going to be behind the eight ball within this right. that we exist Absolutely. in. So, you know, it's, it's time for us not to be um, separated and we have to like come together and utilize the powers that we have, you know, like oftentimes or recently you've heard, you know, um, a lot of people talk about the black agenda and then, you know, that's understandable. But yet, what is our black agenda? What do we want? You know, do we even know what we want? And right. it's these are the type of conversations that I feel like that need to be had um, on a grand stage, you know, and it's, it's not happening and when it's not happening, you continue to continuously get all of these tragedies that continue to occur, excuse me, that continue to occur within our neighborhoods. Right. So how do we, where do we start? Like, what do you, what do we, because like you said, we don't have the conversation on the grand, on the grand stage. Uh, it can't be CNN because they, they buy us as fuck. Uh, no one would have took them seriously unless they're having someone actually important on the show. Right. It can't be Fox. It can't be Fox News either because they're just as retarded. Uh, so it can't be fine. So where do we go with this? Like, how do we start? Uh, who needs to lead a conversation like this? And who are the people that we need to bring to the table to have this conversation? It can't be Cornell West. It can't be Dr. Umar Johnson. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dr. Umar. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I mean, it can't be. It can't be any of these extreme guys, right? So who do we who do we bring to the table? If you got to look at names out there. Uh, in both sides, you know, black and white and whoever it is, uh, who do you think we need to put out there to start this conversation off? Oh, man, to be honest with you, I don't even think we should look for leadership. I think that leadership has to come from each other or within. For example, um, like one of the things I always preach about is like self-love, because if you don't really love yourself, how are you going to be able to love somebody else? And when we are able to understand what we want for ourselves, understand what we need for ourselves, then we can kind of create a, a large picture for our communities. Because like I've always said as well, great communities build or, you know, um, end up being great nations. And we have a lot of multifaceted works um, to do within our communities. And so let's, for for example, let's take, because um, I actually just wrote a Black Agenda um, this this past couple last couple of days that I think that will work out. So, for example, one of the biggest issues um, that's like killing our people is criminal justice and right. just overall, um, you know, how we're viewed as society. Personally, I feel that all Black people have to be a protected class. That's the only way you can you can like stop a lot of the violence. Um, that occurs to us as a people. We have like we have to be considered a protected class. It's, it's a piece hmm. of time because too many people, too many people get away with with like murdering or ending a black life. Like they get a, a slap on the hand, and that's not right. Um, that's one of the first, the very um, first things I think that needs to happen because uh, the way that just just watching that video of Mr. Lloyd and the way the officers were just looking at the officer, um, you know, kneel on his neck that way while he's handcuffed. Why doesn't an automatic trigger go off in someone's head like, hey, that's not right. You shouldn't be doing that. Right. You know, right. 
And that's what I'm saying. In our communities, but just like anything dealing with black people in the world, people watch all of these horrific things happen to us. And what do they do? The only thing they do is pull out their phones and share it. That is it. That's right. ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That's that's a problem. That goes that shows me where it's a direct indicator that, that there's something wrong in our society. And we But at that moment though, there's nothing they can do. So you might as well get evidence just in case because police would deny it. Police would say mm-hmm. he hit him first, or he pull out a gun, or he trying to grab that gun. And I think the reason why they do that, I don't mean to cut you off on that. Um, the reason why they do that is to like help that individual, that victim, you know, to be able to fight the uh fight the police institution once that is over. Otherwise, your word against three officers, yeah, nobody's hearing it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, even when they have videos, they're still denying it. So, and I think that's all that is just, you know, listen, you see the cop and the black person having a conversation, good or bad, you never know. Pull out your phone and start recording because you never know how it's going to turn out. So, Absolutely. but go ahead. I, I I do like the black uh, agenda you mentioned. Yes. Uh, protect your class. I, I don't see that happening, though. I don't see that happening. I don't see white folks voting for black folks to be protective class, but I love the idea. Yes, I mean, that needs to happen. Another thing, um, as far as on, on a criminal justice aspect, I feel like, um, especially in black communities, I feel like you, can, you should not be, it should be a rule on all police departments that if you don't live in a specific neighborhood, you can't police that neighborhood for two mm. reasons. I feel that if you're from that neighborhood, you have mingled with the people, therefore you know like when there is any type of issue, you know not to be excessive because you know who the, the people you're dealing with. However, mm. If you live in that neighborhood, you put the badge on and you live in the neighborhood and you do something crazy, when you take the badge off, you still have to answer to your community. There is mm-hmm. no type of accountability um, in the police force, especially um, when it comes to white men doing any type of damages to the black community. There's like, this, it's like, like I said, it's a slap on the wrist. Let's go back and look at um, Amar Arbery's case. We didn't find out about this till March and this happened in February. Not to mention mention the DA, um, the DA didn't even make any arrests at the time. You know how, and this is why I say we have to be accountable for each other and accountable to our governments. Like I was seeing people on social media saying, oh, you know, the DA needs to be fired. You know, they need to be resigned and all, all, you know, that stuff. But I'm like, no, they need to be um, locked up because they're an accessory to murder. Like they just it under the rug and, you know. There's no telling how long that video was out before it got leaked to the media, you know? Right, right. And that's what, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there needs to be structural changes in society before we even get to the policies and the politics because there is not one po- politician, there's not one um, legi- like political legislation that's going to be able to change or, you know, um, make the change that we need. We got to change amongst each other. And that's why I say that like the black community has to be accountable for holding their government accountable. We gotta get involved. We gotta ask questions. We gotta make demands. You know, all these things put together can transform our society into um, a society that's beneficial for everyone. And it will finally allow us to get out of, you know, just the just the structural and the mental bondage that we've been in all these years. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I feel like we're so far behind the eight ball, man. I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, because you know, black. Look, I do agree with you. We have to do more. We have to do more. Uh, you know, America as a whole is a selfish society, and I keep saying that. Uh, it's, it's a me, me world. Uh, you know, it, so no one really cares as long as it doesn't affect them personally. 
the human side of us is why we react when we see people get killed unnecessarily, right? That's why we feel bad about it. That's why we we sad and we deeply hurt uh, just because, you know, we are humans and we have feelings, right. uh, you know, for a fellow human being. But other than that, it's a selfish society. No one really gives a shit about the other person. Right. You know, I'm like, you know, so I'm trying to get my own bread. I'm trying to eat. I, I don't care. That don't affect me. You know, I'm, I'm working. I'm making 30 bucks an hour. You know, I pay my taxes. I got a decent crib. I got a nice car. I'm good. So, you know, y'all don't like what's going on. Y'all go ahead and fight it. That's exactly what the problem is, right? So the unity is not there. I, I don't see it happening, like I said, until we do extreme things such as rioting for six months, such as every black person out there walking out of their jobs or, you know, doing something extreme that actually affects everybody all the way to the top of the chain. Nothing gets solved. Nothing gets done. And I hate to be the pessimist about it, uh, but... I just don't say because white America don't care. They just be like, ah, they'll be quiet in, in a week or two, whatever. Lock the cops up and everybody stop talking. And unfortunately, that's sad, but that's how I think it is, you know? Right. This is this is why I'm a big believer in this. Like I said, it's a great segue. This is why I believe that um, my two main policies within my platform are universal guaranteed income and. Mm-hmm. I like it. You know, right. Yeah, I like it. So um, universal guaranteed income was recently championed by Andrew Yang, but it's, right. um, it's, it's been around for a long time, but it, it became um, to prominence through Martin Luther King Jr. And he was going to implement this within his um, Poor People's Campaign, as well as his uh, Economic Bill of Rights. Now, um, for those who don't know what universal guaranteed income is, I won't get directly like deep into it, but basically you'll get a monthly dividend from the government for the rest of your life, and it's for everybody. I need that money. Absolutely, right? And so, <laughs> then, so then I wanted to uh, pair this or uh, place this policy with universal health care. And by universal health care, I mean that you have options. You can um, continue. Basically, wait, let me say this. Um, health care prices should, or costs should be substantially lower. You know, it should not be as expensive as what it is. But with universal health care, I want to provide a free option for those who don't um, you know, have a job or for like those who don't can't pay for it or those who choose not to pay for it. There needs to be a free option for it. And um, I want to remove the need to have a job for, for health care because that itself is ridiculous. Right. Combine universal health care and combine universal guaranteed income. And what happens is you have the, the beautiful marriage of two policies that will, um, it's called the, the people's bailout, right? So like you said, why can you know, why can't black people just walk off their jobs? Because we need money. Let's, let's be honest. We need money. Right, when, right. You look at the stats, when you look at the stats, we're at the bottom of the barrel because we're most of our, most of like, you look in all the inner cities, we're the main demographic that's in poverty, right? Right. So let's say for example, you know, in, in a perfect world, we were able to have universal guaranteed income and we were able to have universal health care. Now, the people finally have the agency to make decisions of their own life. So let's, let's look at it like this. Say your boss, your boss isn't treating you well. You know, you you starting to hate your job. It's starting to take a toll on your health. One, you already have health care. So if you want to just walk out of your job, you can. Two, you have that $1,000 coming in monthly. So now you, right. you're able to be flexible because you don't have to worry about or you don't have to make sacrifices or even sacrifice your own mental health. And be like, you know, I hate this job, but I got I to gotta pay bills. Let me go into it and let me suck it up. And oftentimes, especially in our community, stress kills us. Poverty kills us. 
And right. that's not something we talked about enough. So you give people the people's bailout and you, you're going to watch a society transform itself because now these people who have you know been left out and have not been able to have the resources that they need they are they now have the resources they now don't have to worry about healthcare they now have um you know a nice um security blanket in universal guaranteed income to make decisions that are going to better them and so just think about the the wonderful things that can occur with the people's bailout of a right. group of workers want to get it want to unionize they can put their money together and not have to worry because that same amount is coming back next week. We got community economics that, you know, we can buy back buy um, back our communities. Like, it's so many things that can emerge from that. And like you said, I totally agree. Like, unless something major happens, that's the only way change will occur. But there needs to be the necessary institutions or policies in place to give people that agency that they need to move around. But until that is occurred, in order for that to happen, um, we have to be uh, much more of a participant within our, um, you know, dem- democratic process. And that's something that we don't normally do, and, and I get it because, you know, um, a lot of things haven't been for us. You know, we've we've been made promises that haven't been. Uh, followed through with we've been lied to for for years now but in order for us you know to become empowered we have to realize that freedom isn't given freedom isn't free you know we got to right. make sacrifices like you said absolutely sacrifices at all time got to make sacrifices if you're giving somebody two thousand dollars a month in ugi uh do we need to require that they do some sort of work because no. there are folks out there that would make two grand and they'll be just fine to not do any any work. And that's on them. And that's the thing. That's why I say, like, again, we have to go back into, um, you know, restructuring the way we view each other in society. Um, like, let's be honest, two months, two two grand a month is $24,000 a year. That's way above the poverty line, which is good. But if that's right. what you want to do, that's just what you want to do. That's how I see it. But, you know, we oftentimes get caught up into... Um, these arguments that, oh, well, what if people don't want to work or, um, you know, um, you know, it's going to slow down the economy. Well, have we, as we've seen with this entire pandemic, m- people spending money makes the economy go. Right. It's not if people working in it. No, 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 no. It's people making money. And that's why it really used to perturb me how politicians would say, oh, people are ready to get back to work. No, people just want the capital to be able to pay their bills. Right. Know? And that's why I feel like the government dropped the ball um, within this entire pandemic, because no way in the world should you make your citizens choose between their health or their livelihood. If anything, we could have had um, UGI started at the beginning of this and the government could have been like, hey, we want to, you know, lower the curve, we want to flatten the curve. We're going to pay you to stay at home. (laughs) Boom. You did that. You would have took care over over all these Americans who are following unemployment. Of all these mm. Americans who are starving right now, who, who right. Like, you know, like you could you could have took care of that a long time ago, but we are ran um, under a government under a society that's controlled by money and controlled right. by finances, and so at some point in time a while back, the capitalists figured out that they didn't have to be in political positions to get power. All they had to do was use their money to influence the laws, and that's what lobbies have been doing for the longest. And people in Congress and the Senate. Um, have been taking money from lobbyists to make their wishes come true and have alienated their constituency in the process. 
Right, absolutely. Money talk. Money talk. Um, you know, Osi and I would look at uh I mean, I think it would have loved to be part of this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, but he can't make it so sucks for him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we used to talk about how, you know, you get a Congress and you look at Nancy Pelosi, I think she's worth about, I don't know, twenty million dollars. But no, 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 no. Nancy is I'm sorry for cutting you off. Nancy is worth nine figures, hundreds of millions of dollars. You see that? You see what I'm saying? Like, we know you're not making down your salary in the Congress. And if you work in the country, there's no other job that you, I mean, like, this is all lobbyist money. This is all corporation money going in the pocket to control how she vote and the views that she put up. So, I mean, it, it's really hard to make changes when that kind of money is involved, right? Right. What can we do? What can we do? Because I ask, I ask guys like yourself that come in here that are being funded by the people. Uh, it's, you know, you, you got to climb such a such a big ladder to fight someone else has got support of the corporations and the super PAC money and all this money and you're being funded by the people that slows you down for one, right? Because you can't get out there. You don't have all the financial support that you need. Absolutely. And then let's say you actually have a good race and you make it out there. Now you got to deal with uh, selling your votes because when they start throwing the money at you, how do you say no? And I asked somebody the other day, I said, look, you get down there and somebody said, look, we got to vote for this bill. Uh, you know, we these lobbyists are giving us like an extra two hundred thousand dollars each, so we got to vote the same way. I don't blame them for saying, you know what, sure, give me that money. That's more than they're making every year, right? Right. It's the money. The money talks, so they take the money. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I gotta ask you these though. So, you've been in this election now for for a little bit. Uh, what is one thing that you've learned since you've been campaigning? Like, what have you learned? What have you seen that you be like, okay, I didn't know this before I got into it? Like, what have you learned so far? Oh man, um, that's oh man, that's that's a great question. I learned so much. Um, I will say that uh, this is totally not politically related, but this is like one of the biggest lessons I've learned. A lot of people that um, claim to be your friends or claim they support you really don't support you at hmm. all. I see. Um, right. Yeah, like um, you know, um, I, I learned that that's probably the biggest lesson that taught me. Right. That's, that's probably huge. That's probably the biggest lesson I've learned because it's with that being stated, it's easy to become disappointed, but you really just got to, um, you know, press through and just realize that you have no control over human beings and how they feel or what they think. It is what it is. Do but you think, do they not believe you can do it? Do they not take it serious? Because we tend to have this thing where until you're shining, no one wants to be part of that, right? Yeah. Like when, you, when, you, when you're grinding, you know what I'm saying? When you when you when you in the gym working on that jumper, you know what I'm saying? Like we've already said, you weren't with me in the gym. You right. know what I'm saying? You weren't shooting with me. You know what I'm saying? Like no one really so they don't really see that. And they're not trying to like when you call them in the morning and say, Hey, six AM, you know, my, let's uh let's go to the gym, let's get some shots out. No one said, Man, I gotta go to bed. I'm sleeping, man. Let's do it at noon, right? They don't right. support that. But then when they see you out there and you start making making waves and you get into the league. It's the oh yeah man, let me let me rebound for you man. When you want to go work out, let me spot you. Is that what it is though? Because because I think about the same thing sometimes. Is do they not support you or do they just don't see it yet? It's I think it's um I think it's a little bit of both. I think like um it's it's so easy, it's so easy to, to support somebody when they're up and they're winning. You know exactly like, right. Like, like human nature, human nature always inspires us to want to be with a winner. But there's a special, there's a special percentage of us who don't mind carrying those heavy loads and don't mind making those sacrifices to get on that side. What I've come into contact with is just people 
will support you, but then they'll stand back and they'll look at everything they're, they've done or they're doing, and then they'll be like, well, like, for example, people are like, well, what makes you think you can run against um, like John Lewis, or why didn't you start small? Well, my, my retort is always, well, um, why wouldn't I? Like, I, I feel this I, I feel this way about myself. Like, I feel I deserve this, not to mention, like, I feel that I can bring a lot to the table, way more than what's been done, and automatically... They look at you like you're cocky, arrogant, conceited, just because you feel this way about yourself. And that's, so, that's, that's it baffles me. You know what I'm mm. saying? And I feel like I don't want to say that, you know, um, it's a crab in a barrel mentality because I don't necessarily feel that way. But I do right. feel like when people really see that you're doing something or making waves, it tends to make them put the mirror on themselves and really look at what they're not doing when it's not even about that. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I feel right. that, that I feel like that um, that happens a lot. Besides that, though, the other thing that I realized that I didn't what I knew this, but I didn't know didn't know. Excuse me, was this how deep money is into politics? Yes. Oh my oh. God, man! Money like talk, brother, money talk, my man. Man, so it costs five grand to run for Congress in my state in Georgia. In mm. other in other states, it costs ten grand. Right. So. It's also the way the system is made up, it's made for you to, if you don't have money, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, if you don't have right. money, then, you know, you're going to be SOL. But what people don't really understand is, you know, like I said, like a long time ago, people figured out like, man, wait a minute. If I need something to happen, if I want to be powerful, I ain't going to be in politics. All I got to do, <laughs> excuse me, is hit this congressman, this senator, this vice president, this president even, even with money, support right. them financially, and they're going to make everything I want happen. Absolutely. So, absolutely, man. But you do understand, though, like, because I, I think I get it. If it's free, everybody's running. You're going to be dealing with 100 ballots, uh, 100 campaign candidates. Everybody wants to run because it's free. I mean, the dude who works at McDonald's right now will put an application in. Doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean he can't make a great case for himself, but we do know sometimes you got to get through that door for you to speak, right? right so, right, right, right. if the door is open, everybody's walking in. But if you right. can get your way through that door, you know, it's just, just go back to playing ball, right? You got to show yourself in practice. Uh, you got to get your way on that team and show your stuff for coach to take you serious. So, right. but I get it. I mean, there's a lot of money, but in a way I do understand you got to put that money up there, man. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, always. But it should, I, I just feel like that, you know, um, the money shouldn't stop progress from doing the job that needs to be done. And at the end of the right. day, it's about helping the people and it's about bettering the nation. But what we're right. seeing is to the people who are in charge of top. And I think this is another thing that too, I realized that like once you hit a certain task bracket, in my mind, life becomes easier because it's expensive as hell to be poor. But as right. soon as you get as soon as you get like a you hit a certain task bracket, and this right. is why the rich are this is why the rich are are um are you know continuously to um build their wealth because there's so many loopholes as to how you can keep money and how you can build on that money. You know oh, absolutely absolutely and it's just it's just been amazing to see that basically like a lot of these incumbents they have such a war chest that they can just move their weight around. Right. Just move their weight around like any way they want to. And it's, it's oh, yeah. fascinating, you know? Oh yeah, if you make less than a hundred grand, IRS can see it all. They, they, you can't even hide. You can't even hide five hundred dollars. You know, I remember one year I didn't even make. I didn't even make a whole lot, and I was getting letters talking about UNP or taxes. Yeah, I was like, bro, I ain't got it. 
You know what I mean? So that took a while. I had to I had to pay that up quickly. You know, so they'll find you if you make less money. But you start <laughs> yeah. making you start making that money, like you said, you can work around it. That's why you got your accountant. That's why you have your financial advisors. That's why you have all these big money folks that knows how to um, manipulate the whole. And it's not illegal, obviously. It's just knowing the loopholes and knowing how to attack it. You know, right. so but. I mean, five grand just to run, that's a lot of money. But I wonder if you can go to the bank and ask for a loan to run. I wonder if that would be something that's allowed, uh, you know, for candidates or if, or if banks will look fairly and, you know, kind of lenient towards that. I don't think so. I don't think that's because um, that's the case. I feel like if you had great credit, you probably could ask for like, like, you know, some nice substantial amount and go from there. But I don't think you're not supposed to do that. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Like, I, don't that. I don't know. I don't think that's that's legal, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I've never run yet, but I'm, you know, uh, listening to you, I might have to, I might have to go put an, uh, an application in. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, let me, uh, let me, let me run for local council. I, I think I got to start small, uh, you know, get to know folks around. Uh, but you know, to kind of bounce off to some a little more light and some a little more fun before we right. uh, wrap up with our more politics stuff. All right, right. Uh, let's talk some sports stuff, man. Uh, I gotta ask you this: Did you watch the Last Dance? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. What yeah. did you take out of that? What 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 keys and things did you learn or take out of that? I took out everything that my father taught me when I was a little kid is that you you are not gonna make any friends on a route to greatness and you have to be relentless. And right. and that um, you know, to be the best, to be the best, the absolute best, the um undoubted best. You have to do things that people don't want to do, and it's okay. It's nothing wrong right. with it. It depends on what, like you said earlier, what sacrifices you want to make in order to get the things you want to get. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, I love it watching MJ. I love it. I there's 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 nothing like playing with winners. I mean, I've always loved winners. I don't care, you know. I don't care who you are. If you want to win and you play hard, I'm all about that. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I just watching MJ said, listen. I'll do whatever it takes. You look at me the wrong way. Now you're gonna you're gonna lift some fire up inside of me. All right. You know, I've just I don't know any man that can do that besides him. Uh, which leads me to the conversation of the whole MJ versus LeBron thing. Personally, I don't think there's a conversation to be have about it. Uh, I don't I don't think we need to compare them. Uh, but I'll you know I'll let you talk about that. I'm not sure where you stand on the whole uh, LeBron and MJ thing. Go ahead. Well, no. Before I start, let me ask you: Like, how do you how do you feel about LeBron first and foremost? And, and I don't mean off the court; I mean strictly on the court. How do you feel about LeBron? So, I, so I'll give you a little background on that for me. Uh, as a Kobe fan, I hated LeBron. Okay, hated because I felt like they were pushing my head of Kobe when I didn't think he was ahead of him yet. Right. Uh, and as a Kobe fan, I think most Kobe fan would tell you probably is why we hate LeBron. Uh, but when you went back to uh, when he went back to Cleveland, you know, you know, kind of just watching more from a uh, from a objective standpoint, I respected his game. Like I see the greatness when I watch him play. So, and I'll tell people every time to the day, I'm not a LeBron fan, but I respect his greatness. I, I absolutely, I take nothing away from the way he plays, but I would never forgive him uh, <laughs> for people putting him over Kobe. Never forgive him for that. Uh, well, unless it comes to the show, then yeah, we're gonna be cool. <laughs> uh, until that happens, but I respect his game. He's great. Uh, I think he's going to finish as a top five of all time if he's not there yet. But I'm not sure what he has to do to get over Mike. I, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of people still ahead of him. 
If you put him in five, I think I'm okay with that. But I don't think he should be a, more than like higher than five right now. Um, but we have to see where he ends up. If he get two, three more rings, then I can push him up there behind Mike. But until then, for me, I'll keep him in the top five. He's up there, I think, but nothing higher than that right now. Okay, that's fair. Um, that's totally fair. I okay, this is my thing with Brian. I don't think the GOAT could be three and six in the finals. I don't think that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the GOAT could um, you know, be so uh you know, easily to give up the ball in crutch moments. Crutch mm-hmm. moments um, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, like LeBron totally, to me, exceeded his expectations coming into the league. Like, he like he didn't – I have to give him that. I have to give my hat off to him because that's a hard um, – you know, it's, it's very hard to be called the next big thing and actually be there but actually supersede that. Right. Um, you know, um, I can't I can't give it up to LeBron because he doesn't have a defensive player of the year. Mike has that mm. um, multiple like, times. Yes, and it's just um, it's just multiple things. Like it's just it's just Mike's whole mentality and his whole approach to the game that just like I just love that aspect. And a lot of people don't understand. Or like I feel like a lot, this is a missed um, thing from that whole documentary, and people missed. Beyond everything on the court, you know, off the court, the thing that separated even Mike, Scotty, and Dennis, the thing that separated them from a lot of players uh, these days is that they they possess that that like legendary focus, man. There's like Dennis Rodman went out and party and came back and like yeah, got twenty points. Yep. That should show you the way, like that should show you just how serious they took their jobs and just how locked in that they were. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something, man. That's that's something that I just don't I don't see these days, man. Like, um, like I grew up before I was really exposed to Mike, like I was like I got into basketball when I was five. And around um four or five, like I wasn't really cognizant like, you know, cognizant of everything was going on. But Penny Hardaway was my first favorite player. And then mm. um when Mike came back from when Mike came back and I witnessed the three peat, that shifted immediately because mm. A lot of people don't understand the reason. The reason people wear Jordans is not because of the way they look. Because the person who inspired the brand is undoubtedly the greatest player to ever play, touch a basketball, and that's Absolutely. that speaks volumes. You know, it's more than the look. It's more than because they're they're cool because everybody else has them. It's that that Jordan logo, the Jumpman symbol, indicates that that man is the greatest player ever to touch a basketball, and you cannot Absolutely. take that away from him. You know, right. Six and six and no in the finals. Never went to a game seven in the finals. Never, never. Kind of like the way I've been doing it out here. But go ahead. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no one's there to disagree with me. So go ahead. <laughs> I, feel you, I feel you. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't. There, there's a like. It's a reason why he's like the greatest athlete ever, man. Because he was just so dominant. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's you. You just gotta. You gotta respect it. You know. Well, I, let me take that back. You ain't gotta respect it. You just gotta accept it. Right. Right. And you know what? And I think also, though, and I know a lot of players speak about, you know, Jordan, uh, you know, being who they look up to. Even LeBron said it. And then after Jordan, it was Kobe was the guy that, you know, guys in the 90s look forward, you know, look up to like me, you know, watching basketball. It was Kobe for me. Uh, you know, the, the first jersey I ever, you know, but was Kobe. And I still have it hanging up uh, behind me right now. Okay. Uh, 
Right. And then you have guys like the 2000s are like, you know, as they got into their 20s, those guys are like, oh, it was LeBron for them. And we get it. And it was right. LeBron, Melo, D-Wade. Those were the time for the younger generation. So so we get it. But I think to push Bron, just to push LeBron, like, I mean, you're pushing my head of Magic Johnson and Kareem uh, and Kobe and all these other great players when, like you said, the man is three and six uh, in NBA Finals. Uh, the, the man's down one. And just let Kyrie bring the ball up the court and Kyrie took the shot. And I'm a big Kyrie fan, big Duke fan. So Kyrie one of my guys. So and I love Kyrie taking that shot. But Kobe not giving that ball up. Kobe MJ's not giving that ball up. And we know LeBron's taking some of those, right? We're not gonna say he hasn't, but the fact that there's too many of them that he didn't take as well. Right. There's not one shot of man, uh that Jordan passed up when he's wide open or when he's one on one. He's not passing it up. And you shouldn't. If it's one on one and you're Kobe. You're LeBron, you're MJ, you're Kyrie, you're taking those shots. Absolutely. But if you're passing up a shot when you're not being double teamed and you're supposed to be this superstar, I can't respect that. But I respect his greatness because I've seen enough of it to understand that a man is driven to win. Uh, absolutely. I know he wants to win. We see it every every single year. Uh, and as a Lakers fan, honestly, I, I still can't get behind him since LeBron joined the team, which is pretty sad for me. <laughs> I know, man. For me, it, it's that deep. I can't even root for the Lakers no more because LeBron's. Oh man! Oh man! You know, everybody, everybody were, was able to put their um, their LeBron hate aside when he joined the Lakers because they were more so Lakers fan. Oh, I forgot to mention another thing. Um, LeBron did that he, he can't be the, the greatest to go for this simple fact, and I forget to mention that performance um, in Dallas for in the finals. Yeah. That's that's not greatest of all time, like performance. Like you, like you scored, like like are you was held to uh, single, single digits? Right. No, no, right. no, 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 no. That's 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 um that's unacceptable. Right in the finals. In the finals. Right. In the finals. I mean, it was, this this is why you play, you know. Yes. But you know, but his fans they they don't want to talk about that, which is fine. Like like I said, I, you know, he's great. He's one of the greatest to ever play the game. But Absolutely. I think they got and somebody needs to go ahead and slap. Kendrick Perkins upside the head for all that nonsense he's been talking on TV lately. Uh, you know, I know. I, I mean, look, I know he loves Brian because they play together and he got nothing again from Jordan. So Jordan don't care about him. So he knew he can get a lot more from LeBron than he can right now from Jordan. So I can see why he's bashing Jordan and so part of LeBron. But come on, he's got to stop that. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm, I'm just really tired of like a lot of these um, NBA players becoming – um, analysts, you know, because don't get me wrong, they know the game, but right. like, they just don't have the diction skills needed to, you know, deliver, <laughs> deliver the points that they no. need to, you know, like, it's re- like some of these opinions are ridiculous. Right. Remember? Hey, but it's, it's good money. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's good money. That's all, uh, that's all it is. It's good money. Everybody wants it. Um, so one more thing on basketball, uh, there's the news that's coming out the last few days that NBA is looking at, uh, just going, you know, playing a couple of games and then going to playoffs and having just the top 20 teams, uh, no East, no West, just line them up like NCAA and March Madness does it, uh, having to play in tournament games as well. What do you think about it? I like the idea. They should have been doing this, Johnny. They should have been doing this. I know. <laughs> they should have been doing this. When you have, like, when the West has been as stacked as it has been, I want to say, let me see, it's 2020. The West has been stacked for probably the last 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that should have been like that should have been happening. Um, right. Like it just makes more sense if the NBA would have changed up the playoff format to be like March Madness, and not only that, the first round needs to go back to five games. I don't want. I don't. Right. Want to see yeah. Five games. 
Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Because now, like I said, like we stated, even in the political conversation, everything is about money. The league knows they're going to get more money the more games. But Absolutely. these are the best players in the world competing at the highest level. I want to see them actually go. Like, you have a, a team, like, for example, Golden State used to play the Pelicans in the first round, and they would just they would just be chilling, you know, right. playing that game. But, for example, if, you know – uh, let's say the Pelicans went up 2-1 against you and you got a five-game series, now mm-hmm. it's going to make it interesting. You know what right. I'm saying? So, yeah, that's um, how it used to be. I'm not sure why they even move it besides money. Yep. Yeah. So I love it. Like, I, I totally, totally um, love that, you know, it's going to bring that March Madness element into it, but I just wish that, like, that first round is needs like, on all accounts, need to be five games and then, um, you know, go to the seven games for the remaining of the playoffs. Right, right. Who's the best player in the league in the league right now? Even with KD, with a healthy KD, with a healthy KD, who's the best player in the league? Best player in the league. Oh man, um, that's tough, man. Because I want to, like, I want to say LeBron, but then on, but I just, I just don't, I don't think, like, I don't think KD can be stopped, man. I agree. I don't think <laughs> KD can be stopped, man. KD, KD's just different, man. I agree. But if you're talking about KD not being stopped, uh, what do you think about James Harden's offense? I'm, I'm kind of, to be honest, I am, I'm torn between um, Harden sometimes. Because sometimes I think he flops on offense because, um, you know, he, he shoots a lot of free throws a game. He knows how to get to the line. But, man, like, He's not efficient to me at all. Like he has some games where he'll score 30, 40 points, but he shoot like 23%, 33% from the field. That's horrible. Right. So whose fault is that? Say it again? Whose fault is that, though? When a man's taking that many shots, he's not efficient. Whose fault is that? I mean, that's that's D'Antoni's system, to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I was going with that. Everybody keep knocking James Harden. They tell him to go out there and take 35 shots again. What's he supposed to do? Who's going to take 20? PJ right. Talker going to take 20? Right. You know, you're gonna right, you're gonna let Daniel House take 20? Right. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah. If I can take 20, I can take 20. Oh, yeah. like like there if I if I can take 20 shots a game, I'm I'm averaging 20. Like that's no that's no question. Like, <laughs> I'm just being real with you. If I take 20 shots a game and 10 of those are threes, and I don't average right. 20, points, I, I shouldn't be in the league. No, you should be on the bench then. No, you probably be in the league. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true, because they're giving out checks to, in the league these days. Hey, I'm trying to get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> Never been, but I want to get back in. You know, so, but, I mean, look, I agree with you. I'm a big KD fan. I was a fan in OKC. I love KD. KD and, my, and Russ were my favorite player uh, right along with Kobe uh, for a long time. And I'm still a big Russell Westbrook fan. I love his, I love his intensity. I don't care. They can't tell me nothing about him. Um, and I think it's gotten better this year, um, not taking those threes no more. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I just I love his game. I love KD. I think he's the best player in the league, uh, and I think Giannis is right behind him. Uh, you know, so for me, those are the top two players in the league: uh, KD and Giannis. KD. And now, and now I ask you this: Yeah, so yeah. between Steph and James Harden, who's better? Oh, Steph. I'm sorry, because Steph. Steph. When I when, when I grew up, Steph and I have identical games. Oh, oh, speak on that. Yes, I grew up in an era where, where like I was lean, like I played both positions, the one and the two. But like um, back in those days, you had to be big. 
Like the thing mm. is size. Now, as we've seen, the NBA has totally been become positionless. You know, right. and now when you watch high school ball, watch these kids, man, all they don't even care about dunk. Like back in my day, everybody wanted to dunk. Now everybody wanna shoot threes, you know? Mm-hmm. So so um oh man, I'm I'm taking like I would go even go far as to say that Steph probably another MVP and another championship away from being uh top greatest point guard ever. I'm, I, I agree. Can say, I can say that. I agree. I agree. If they hadn't lost that one, um, and if they just won last year, I think they'll be talking about Steph being the greatest ever uh, as a point guard. If they had won last year, boy, I think if and if Clay didn't get hurt, I think they probably could have won last year. Oh, I think yeah, I, I feel that way. I feel if Clay if Clay never got hurt because you didn't expect him to just like I just feel that whole like. Um, series. It was a series of unfortunate events that happened back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just like, it's like, okay, cool. Like, ain't much you can do now, you know? Right, right. And so where did Kawhi fit in all of that? Because remember, I said for me, it was KD and then Giannis. I, I'm not really sure it was three or four, but I guess we'll pop with LeBron then and we'll put uh, Kawhi or Steph in there. Uh, but what what is Kawhi ranking your fight? Like, if you give me your top five in the NBA. My top five in the NBA. Uh, okay, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go LeBron. I'm gonna have to go KD. I'm gonna have to go Steph. Um, then I'm gonna have to go AD, Anthony Davis. And then, oh man, see, then I'll probably, I probably have to go Giannis, only because I feel like Giannis. I've seen Giannis like gotten, he's gotten better year after year. Mm-hmm. You know? If Giannis ever, and I mean ever, develops a consistent mid-range jumper, it's done. It's over with. It is over with. But he's consistent, though. Have you seen it? It's consistent, though. Man, I play, think, play listen, I like, huh? They play off of Giannis every time. Anytime somebody, anytime someone with like a uh, great coaching plays Giannis, and they got somebody long that can say like with a long, long ring span to check him, they play off him. They make him shoot, and they uh they pack. They packed the, the paint. Yeah, but that but that's what I'm saying. That's why it's, it's making those jumpers though, because they're giving him space to shoot, and he's got to make them, right? Which is the right thing to do. Because if you're playing Steph, what do you do? You take away the three. You take away the strength, right? Which is yeah. shooting threes, right? And if you're playing Giannis, you got to pack the paint, force him to shoot, right? Yeah. Let's still do the same thing with LeBron. You pack the paint. Now nah, that's why KD is different. It's an animal. You can't take anything away, right? You get up on KD, he's driving right by you. You back off, he's letting the fly. You're too little, it take you down low. Kind of same thing with Kawhi. So, uh, for me, I, I mean, I, I love Giannis' game. Even without all that jumper, my man still drive like 35 every night. 17 rebounds. 17 rebounds. Nothing but dunks and layups. <laughs> hey, he's making – no, no, he's making two threes a game, right? No, 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 he is. He, he is. Right. But I'm, I'm just saying he's so efficient. He don't even need to shoot jumpers to be efficient. Exactly, right. That's, scary. Right. That's why he's so scary to me. Yes. Right. I love I love his game, man. I love I love his game. Giannis, KD. Kawhi is kinda like in the middle somewhere for me. I'm not sure where to put my I love Kawhi. Uh, but I, I can't put him over uh I feel like he needs a team, like a special team to win. Uh, yeah. I just I can't see him taking over an average team and then I win. Agree. I think he needs yeah, I just feel like he's one of those dudes that, you know, you put the right guys around him, then he'll win. But I feel like KD can go on the Knicks today and the Knicks will make the playoff. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know what I'm saying? And I think Giannis can do the same thing. He can go on the Knicks, they makes the playoff. LeBron, join the Knicks, they makes the playoff. Put Steph on the Knicks, they makes the playoff. 
I don't feel the same way with James Harden. I don't feel the same way with Kawhi. Uh, I just don't think they go there and make that kind of difference enough for the whole team to play better and for them to win. Right. And that, right. and for me that, and that's why I rank those guys a little higher. I love Steph. I think everybody be uh, a little too harsh on them because they're light skin like me. Well, I'm not light skin, but I, I claim <laughs> I claim I claim to be. <laughs> <laughs> I claim to be light skin. I don't care. You you can't tell me I'm not. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, like, like like we talked about the whole show. You know, be yourself. Be whoever you want to be. So <laughs> absolutely. You know, so I'll be Tim Light Skin. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, man. Listen, man. Why we why we about to wrap this up, man? Just uh, telling people a little bit more uh, about your campaign. You know, why you running? Uh, the issues that are more important to you, uh, how they can help, they need a volunteer, donate, your website, okay. all that kind of good stuff. Go ahead. All right, guys. Again, Barrington Martin II running for the fifth congressional seat in Georgia. Um, you know, I'm running on a platform, basically delivering the power back to the people as best as I can right. through right. universal health care, through universal guaranteed income, as well as term limits. I feel that, you know, as long as I'm... I continue to do the things that I'm doing. I can make a promise that, you know, um, I will not be in this position for more than five terms. And I'm totally confident in myself that, hey, if you don't like what I'm doing, please vote me out. But I got to get in first. So right. um, you guys can uh, reach me on um, the web. My website is votethedream.com. Um, votethedream.com. Votethedream.com. My Twitter is underscore Barrington. That's underscore B-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N-I-I. So again, that's underscore Barrington the second. That's underscore B-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N-I-I. I don't ask for donations. I don't feel right asking for donations because it's, it's a pandemic going on. And some of some of you all may be out of work. And I empathize and, and to, towards your cause. However, the best way you can support me is by basically logging on to votethedream.com, signing up, shoot me an email, connect with me, but um, give me five. That's my new initiative where I basically tell people that support me to send my information, send my website, send my Twitter to five people they know, and then make sure that each of those five people send it to another five people. And that's basically how you can assist me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it, man. I got I got a couple of good followers that I'm going to definitely uh, make sure they retweet this, uh, make sure they give you a five and pass it along. Uh, it's the least they can do. Uh, but it. since, since he's not going to ask for money, I'm going to tell you right now to give the man some money. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, Osi's not here. Osi's the first to donate every candidate. So I'm going to make sure Osi get on that side and donate money. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Listen, I mean, these people funded campaigns, these little folks, man. You, you need everything you can to make sure your message get out there. So uh, I'll do what I can and I'll make sure that, you know, uh, the people get behind you, man. It's really important. I mean, you know, you're absolutely. running for absolutely. a great cause and, uh, it's good to see young young black men out here, and you know, I mean, I spoke with uh, Elijah Manley earlier, and you know, he's twenty one, okay. you know, and he's running he's running for house of rep in Florida. It, it's great, you right, know what I'm saying? Right, right. I mean, twenty one years old. Like, I'm like, shouldn't you be like trying to figure out what you want to do with your life? Like, right. you know, but my man's like, no, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, yeah, I love it. I love it. You know what I'm saying? So, it's great just to see young black men out there, young people in general, black, white you know, brown, Latino, Asian, whatever it is. And, you know, we've talked to a bunch of them, and I love it. It's great. I love the movement that's going on right now. So you keep, the, you keep the good work up, man. We keep following you and try to see y'all do as well. Yes, sir. Do as much as we can to, to support you, man. Appreciate you stopping by, my man. 
No, you know, thank you for bringing me on, man. Uh, I, I appreciate it, and I'm extremely grateful, man. You brought me on. I really appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We'll catch up, man. I'm sure we'll, we'll stay we'll stay connected. Always, always. All right, my man. All right. All right. Good night. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Point Noted Podcast with Johnny B and Rashad B. Follow us on Twitter at PT Noted and Instagram at Point Noted. Hit the subscribe and follow button to follow us and check out more episodes of us talking a whole bunch of shit. You've been noted.